Today's students are experiencing high levels of stress. Can being out in agricultural laboratories reduce student stress? Well, that's today's topic on Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers. Welcome to Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. We share research-based tips and tackle the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. The Owl Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders from the University of Arkansas, Marshall Baker from North Carolina State University, Mike Ritalik from Iowa State University, and Brian Myers from the University of Florida. We are your agricultural education resource across the web. Anna Warner, thanks for joining us today on Owl Pellets. Thank you. I, I'm having a fangirl moment. When you listen to a podcast on a regular basis, you always are like, man, it would be cool to be on that podcast. Ta-da. So, thank you. We are about to bring down your expectations. <laughs> Making one of my dreams come true. And little does everyone know that all the like amazing resource roundups, really, until not very long ago, were all your magic brainchild. Right. Yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> I, I, I miss them. They were good. They, they did a great job. So, Anna, you're now at Washington State University. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, so I am finishing up my first year in a faculty role at Washington State University. I made the hop across this great state. I grew up on the East Coast, and now I'm experiencing uh, the Pacific Northwest and the beautiful Palouse. Have you ever been nominated to carry the Washington State Cougar flag to a... It's a cougar, isn't it? It is a cougar. <laughs> I got a little nervous. Um, I have not, but that would make my cousin extremely jealous if I yeah, had to do that. You should put that on the list. Yeah. Another fangirl moment. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what are we going to talk about today? You've got some great work, and I'm really excited to talk about it, but I might be a little biased. So I'm going to try to, I'm going to, try to keep myself contained. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, this com- this research all stemmed out of a conversation in Brian's office um, early in my PhD process. He was my advisor, so he is a little biased. Um, but it started from a National Geographic article talking about how um, being in nature can give uh, restorative properties and help reduce stress um, and increase attention of individuals and um, it's both mental and physical reaction to being in that natural environment. And since we are ag teachers and we teach in natural environments, we wanted to say, well, um, what do these natural environments that we have at our hands do for our students? And how can we use that, A, to help our students, use it maybe more purposefully to help our students, and then B, um, how can we use that to justify what we're doing in the school? Because if students are are becoming less stressed and getting a greater attention capacity from being in these natural environments with us, it's carrying over to all their other classes. So we talk a lot about the stress level of students, and that's what you talk about today during your presentation, and you're like... In addition, we, we did a lot of work on laboratory instructions and, and how that can be good, but like if we can also, as ag teachers, show that we're helping reduce stress level of our students that are already highly stressed, that's where those all stem from. And I think one thing you talked about today in your paper, in your presentation, was about the stress level that our students have right now. It's pretty alarming. Yeah, and I don't, I mean, your listeners are in the high school classroom, they or middle school classroom, they're seeing it. I think parents, teachers, they, they know that, but... 
some of the research has put numbers behind it. Um, more than 80% of U.S. teens have reported moderate to extreme stress levels, and the same teens expect that their stress is going to increase within the next year. But they're not equipped, as equipped as adults. They're experiencing stress levels equivalent to adults, but they're not equipped like adults to use effective coping mechanisms. And so that creates a whole um, source of problems. And one of the major areas that that they're recognizing as a source of stress is school. And so it's awesome. Like as we think about um, from driving in my car to teach today, we've got kiddos that are really stressed and that's a national problem. And we've got ag that gets people outside and theoretically that should reduce their stress levels. So I'm curious, like it's I like it on the front end to kind of know, like, what are your big conclusions and findings? And then I think we can kind of walk out of those and unpack them and wrestle with them and talk about them. But what are your big findings about the reduction or the management of that stress? Yeah. So um, the, the research I shared today talked basically just about what, what are our students' stress levels compared to norms for the, the instrument we use to measure this. And so what we were measuring was their perceived stress. So how situation how they perceive situations in their life to be stressful so one student might be stressed by something that another student isn't bothered by but it's how they how each individual perceives that stress um, and what we found when we compared the stress levels of horticulture students to um, a comparison group of other classes math um, avid and Spanish, I believe, um, in their school was that there was not a significant difference in the stress level. So we're assuming that our, our ag students do have a lot of stress that we need to address. So that's one um, thing. And then what we, what we attempted to do was test an intervention. So if we are delivering instruction in the classroom, versus deliver, delivering the same instruction in a natural setting. For our study, we used a greenhouse because it was a little easier to control and make similar. Um, were students getting a benefit from that as far as stress and attention go? And um, we didn't find a significant difference in the stress, but I'm not convinced that that means there wasn't a significant difference. I think we don't have a very good instrument to measure a change in that short amount of time. So we definitely need to, to have a better way to measure stress um, of our students to see immediate reactions and maybe working on some more um, physiological measurements of stress rather than using a scale. Um, we did see an increase in attention for um, more students when they were taught in those natural environments than when they were taught in the classroom. So the first thing that comes to my mind is, um, you know, when I'm in a classroom, I still feel very much so. When I'm in a greenhouse, I still feel very much so in a classroom. But then I think about, so I did a lot with National Outdoor Leadership School. I was an outdoor educator for a while. Um, like the, um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of books about children need to, needing to be out in nature more. So I'm wondering if maybe the, the, maybe the lack of effect was... Um, that difference of being in a greenhouse, which is still a controlled classroom, or being like, maybe I, I'm wondering, like encouraging our students to work, 
like when you're out working cattle, for example, I was raised on a ranch. So when you're out working cattle or checking cattle, you really are out in nature. Sun is rising, birds like that natural out of the hustle and bustle. Um, so I wonder if maybe that's part of the Yeah, that's difference. definitely something that could go on. And one of the things I noted in the one greenhouse, once the fans clicked on, it got really noisy. And so that's something that drains our attention and, and maybe adds stress. So um, th- this is just really the tip of the iceberg and what we need to study. And there's lots of investigations that can stem off of here. Um, and I, But I think it, it brought up a, a, a few different things that we need to look at before we can really dig into the research to show the impact of being in those natural environments on our students' stress levels. One of the things you talked about that first article that kind of spurred this whole thing and really what got us interested about it was at, before the literature told you that to have any impact on your stress levels, you had to be like outside on all these major walkabouts for, I mean, they had months sometimes six months to get any sort of real benefit from from being outside. And then there's a bunch of other studies done that even, you know, got down to now, we look outside this conference hall window and we see trees planted along the side. And they say that helps reduce stress just without that plants, which got us thinking, well, maybe just being involved with plants and outdoors could actually help help the stress levels at all either. So it was very kind of to see just what the heck was going on. Yeah. And there's research. I mean, it doesn't even have to be real live nature. It can be pictures of nature, video of nature, Um, and it can be a very short exposure that has, um, impact. There's also research to say that, um, sometimes if we, like we did a pre-test, post-test of their stress and attention, but there, if students are coming to the ag classroom, they've been outside, they know the class is ending and they're going to another class, their stress might be ramping up because Mm -hmm. they're going somewhere else and they're leaving that environment and that has been shown. So being able to test um, over long periods of time, being able to test in the middle of a natural activity, um, there's there's so many variations that we really need to dig into to get into this. So I guess I'm a little I'm a little curious about the process. So when you were measuring stress, were you, was it an instrument that you were using, and what types of questions were you asking? Um, and you know, are those questions or topics that teachers can um, pay attention to as they're trying to um, measure stress of, of their students? Sure. Um, I use the perceived stress scale ten, which you can probably Google it and find it online because that's how I found it <laughs> eventually. Um, but so it was 10 questions, and um, originally it was set up to say, in the past month, I have, uh, oh, Lord, I don't, I can't think of a question, but there's different things that they have. In the past month, I've been stressed. Yeah. Yeah. One th- Basically you know, a million times. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they grade it one through five. It might be like, I've experienced things that were, I felt were out of my control, mm-hmm. I think was mm-hmm. one of those questions, something along those lines. Um, and so they rank it one, one through five for strongly agree to strongly disagree. So we had to change that um, to in the current moment. And that's why I think that that instrument, the way it was designed, um, it's hard to pick up changes within a, within a, you know, by the time we did a pretest, they had, a, you know, 20 or 30 minutes of instruction. And then we did the post test to get it all in within a class period to pick up changes. Um, I don't think that that instrument was sensitive enough, but we tested some other instruments that I think, 
I was hoping would be more effective. They just weren't. Um, they didn't align with the student population. Yeah. They were made for a college population, and they mm -hmm. didn't. When we test that, it didn't align. The one thing that just comes to my mind is like, <clears throat> you know, looking back at teaching ag, there were so many things about the the program that were just therapeutic. Like when you think about a school, like I'm thinking not even teaching, but when I was a student. Um, Mr. Harmon, who was the best math teacher in the whole wide world, you got to put blue or red books, if you got an A or a B on your test, up above your desk. And everybody was watching, like, who got the A's and the B's. And that was always a lot of anxiety. And, like, we knew we were fighting for this valedictorian position and then science. And then we had all this, like, high stakes. But I remember when I went to ag and I got to work on my nail box and, like, just being in the shop sanding that nail box, making it perfect, engraving my brand on the side of it. It was just like what I want to do when I'm 50 and needing to relax. Sure. There was so much about ag that was therapeutic and in today's high pressure tested environments, it does, this does make me think like we've had as many podcasts about pour the coals to it, pour the coals to it, more STEM, more STEM. We've got to solve all the problems in STEM and ag. But it does make me also stop and think, you know, there's also this element. In a school, there has to be a time for, you know, there's got to be intensity and relax. There's got to be, uh, you know, that dichotomy. So it's like, how does ag provide that therapeutic, personally engaging, connecting moment in the day? Um, and then SAE, you know, students right. are getting a chance to go off by themselves for, for some work on a project that they've chosen. I think, you know. And I think along those lines a little bit, what exciting about this overall work she did is you're still teaching those science concepts wherever they're going. But yet can we can, there's some things that we can do nationally. And where this really go, we, we spend a lot of time talking about all the stuff and all the pressures ag teachers have. And I know with all the other things going on with stress levels and a lot of the school violence and this kind of stuff that's happening, teachers now are being told, okay, there's, I gotta worry, there's one more thing I have to worry about besides just teaching my kids and having a pass test. I gotta worry about their stress levels. And I'm like, how are we gonna do this one more thing? But along with what you're saying here, Marshall, I think is as part of all that, there's something innate in what we do that might actually be therapeutic and, and help address a situation that ag teachers need to be, to understand what they're doing and, and the, how they're contributing to their overall school environment and their students' mm -hmm. mental and physical health in something that they've already been doing without having to do something additional mm -hmm. to think about the stress levels. And really, and the other part of this goes through, we did a lot of work with labs and labs are expensive. And to show that this is a very valuable resource to help that our students need to get out and, and do some different things. I think one other thing that you know, makes this more complex is this, the theory talks about different characteristics that make a natural environment restorative and to give us those benefits. And so how we perceive an environment of restorative is going to be different for us too. And so if I'm taking a bunch of students outside and they've got to walk through mud to get the greenhouse and they've got their new shoes on, that's stressful for them. And so maybe that's not as restorative for them as it is for somebody who's stuck inside all the time and just wants to get mm. outside and get some sunshine on them. Um, so we, we did collect some, some data about how they perceive those environments. And in, in a school setting, maybe just going to the ag classroom is a restorative environment for some of our students. Um, but we it was haven't, for me. Yeah. yeah, that was for sure. 
Um, but we haven't got to dig into that data yet. So mm. that's just one more element to look at is how different students perceive different areas for that restoration to occur. Another thing that I think about is, um, and then I'm, I'm going to take a little bit different approach to this, is that life is about stress. So not only learning how to manage that stress and, and, and figuring out those coping mechanisms and helping students realize that um, there are going to be stressors in life and how do you manage that. So have you given any thought about um, looking at that from kind of a little bit of different prism and the fact that what are those coping mechanisms and, and how do we coach and mentor students to manage the varying levels of stress? Yeah, one interesting thing when we looked at the stress levels with some of the demographic data, we found um, stress level increased as level of involvement with FFA increased, and that matches the literature that says multiple activities, time management are issues that cause stress for students. But the very active group actually was starting to go back down. And so I'm wondering, have those students learned time management skills, stress management skills that help them to manage it? So that's you know, something else we can dig into. Um, and I think making students aware. I mean, if, if we are aware that being outside more is going to help us um, be less stressed or some, sometimes it's just what the environment, like driving to school and seeing natural elements versus non-natural elements can make a difference and when we looked at the two schools we looked at an urban school and an and a rural school and there was a difference in stress levels between that one school surrounded by farm fields another one by apartment complexes fences housing and so maybe it's just we're going to do a landscape project today to put more natural elements in our school zone that's going to help all of our students. And we're doing it because we know that this is going to help relieve stress and being outside is going to relieve stress. So sometimes, you know, if students know they can be outside and that's going to benefit them more than being inside. <clears throat> so like, you know, the big picture of this being outdoor in the nature and like mental health, <clears throat> but trying to boil it down to like, Something I could do from this podcast today, you know, there's always, as an ag teacher, the kids are always like, Mr. B, can we please go outside today? And so like finding ways to say yes to that. And, you know, I had a principal that always told me, try to be a person that can say yes. Mm -hmm. So like, how can you say yes more to just going outside? And I think there's a lot of ways in outdoor education. They, they, they live outside. So when I trained outside, I mean, we would draw diagrams on the back of our sleeping pads and we just you got used to being outside everyone had a chair because the hardest thing about sitting out in the grass is people get uncomfortable well everyone on a nose trip you all have a chair everyone has one and when you sit around to learn you have a comfortable way to sit so thinking about how do you say yes to the kids that are like can we just go outside today um, is one simple thing I know for me it was like we want to stay in that controlled classroom where it's like the same but, you know, there's a lot of ways to, to disrupt that. And, and I guess for my own personal uh, thing trying to push with this is seeing these outdoor environments, you know, livestock labs, ag mech labs, greenhouses, those sort of things, they're they, they are a, laboratory, a learning laboratory. It's not just going out there and, and throwing seeds or mm. burning rods. <laughs> You're out there learning and, and there's something happening to, for the yeah. students as well to help manage them and, and, the, and how important that is during the day for your students and really 
and, and maybe this is a little bit just trying to pat ourselves on the back of how important the ag program is to the school in addition to just learning the stuff learning content it's it's important to the, to the students health and again maybe it's maybe it's too self-serving but i think it's important for ag teachers to see what they do is really benefiting the students holistically even whether or not they're in fa or not and the whole pressure of ffa is an interesting thing yeah. as well i will i mean I, I've just I've read a lot about outdoor therapy, yeah. And so working downtown Indianapolis, we actually did some outdoor therapy, and that's a real big strategy with at-risk students. And like one of the keys of outdoor therapy, though, is being in nature for an extended time away from technology with spaces of time that include nothing to do. Right. So like these elements of outdoor recreation, and that literature, I don't think they align with our outside facilities like I don't think about our livestock facility I don't see those two things aligning but I do think there's something there about working on a path like you know like let's go out and build something in the shop there is something it's in, I'm wondering like what is yeah. that therapy called because there's outdoor therapy yeah but like this ag lab therapy like I you know like what how is that uniquely different I guess I see that a little bit more in or I could see it in some instances where you have a um, an animal lab and students are there maybe doing chores in the morning or chores in the evening. And if they're out there by themselves mm. doing chores or doing yeah. things and where they don't necessarily have to be thinking about it, it's kind of automated. I think we start to get a little bit closer to what you're talking about, yeah, Marshall. Right. And I, so I think there's some elements and instances where we could provide that. Yeah, I think it's very clear that this is not therapy. This exactly. is not outdoor therapy. It's not horticulture therapy. It's almost more of a coping mechanism yeah. to help yeah. them to help them deal with stress. But if the students are still um, high levels of stress or high whatever else, this is not the thing to do to try to, pres- to to prescribe to them. I wonder what the impact of if you've ever like dissed corners in rural New Mexico for like eight hours a day for three weeks straight. I wonder like does that lead to psychosis or therapy? <laughs> I don't know which one. All right, Anna Warner, thank you so much for being with us today on Owl Pellets. It's been a great conversation, and I, I just appreciate getting to work with you. Yeah, thank you. And you guys, if you need some help on this, mental health, um, you've got an advocate at, right there. We use, yep. All your information will be right on our podcast and on our infographics. So make sure you're connecting with these folks if this resonated with you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our webpage for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Be sure to follow Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It would also be great for you to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, we ask that you please take a moment and comment on our podcast so others can find it as well. So for Kate, Marshall, and Mike, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thank you and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets. Tips for Ag Teachers.